Blog Talk Radio.
Uh, tonight's program is dedicated to the very strong men of the uh, NYPD, NYFD, and the associated people around. Uh, in memory of those who've lost their lives, the 3,200 people in the towers and at the Pentagon in uh, Pennsylvania um, on 911. Uh, our, our deepest thoughts go out to each and every one of our families. Well, guys, it's been a been a, a great week. Looks like it's going to get even better with the uh, ball. Geez, you can get almost have a, a stroke trying to catch up ball sports on TV this week, uh, especially tonight. You got uh, football, the college football. You got uh, hockey. You got uh, basketball. Um, and you could be up for 24 hours and uh, not have to worry about a thing. <laughs> where I really need to get teach my dog how to get beer out of the refrigerator so I don't have to move. Hey, has been a lot of press this week about a, a certain lawsuit. Uh, it's like Canelo Alvarez has uh, decided to take uh, Dazen and uh, who is it? Uh, Golden Boy. Golden, Golden Boy and uh, Oscar uh, himself for breach of contract. And, and remember, uh, yeah. when we talked about this last year, it was $365 million deal for seven right. fights. Right. Uh, you, yeah, I think it's ten there? fights, actually. Uh-huh. So I, I, think it's ten <laughs> fights. But uh, what it comes down to is, is roughly, he's supposed to get roughly about $40 million per fight, you know, which is, which is obviously astronomical. Uh, the problem that, and you know, we saw the writing on the wall last year when we talked about this. Um, the big problem is, is obviously we're in a you know unprecedented time with COVID, so obviously economics are down all across the place. So that's one thing, and that that is the excuse that the zone is using. But part of the issue is, is that specifically in this time, the zone doesn't want to give the forty million that they're supposed to give. For every single fight, you can understand that they, you know, forty million is for a blockbuster fight against Triple G, specifically who they want to out of the fight. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is they signed him to this contract, um, but they don't want to give him the full his full payout for what they deem as an opponent who is not a premium opponent. Part of the issue is Golden Boy Promotions offered um, Callum Smith. And Billy Joe Saunders, both of them 168-pound champions, Callum Smith, the Ring Magazine 168-pound champions, who are definitely premium challenges, but they're not big names in the state, so that his own doesn't consider premium opponents. So they wouldn't give Canelo his full, necessarily, paycheck to fight those guys, even though, um, you know, those guys are, are, are formidable challenges. They're just not as marketable as a Triple J. And so, uh, you know, that, that became a bit of a sticking point. And, you know, when the, you know, Zito and I were talking, and you know, the boxing business is different than any other business, any other business, apples and oranges with any other business. And, you know, when DAZN went ahead and made this offer, what had to be considered is, all right, well, how many marketable B-sides do we have to Canelo Alvarez? Because their whole goal is they paid all this money to bring in subscriptions. Well, you know, he fights Billy Joe Saunders, even though that's a formidable task and a tough ask, 
how many subscriptions does it bring in? And then to look at it, how many opponents around him are so marketable, marketable where they're going to bring in significant subscriptions? So that's the zone's problem. They're not trying to necessarily pay that that minimum that they're supposed to pay, and Canelo's not having that. And you know he's been also disenchanted with uh, Golden Boy Promotions for quite some time as well. So. You know, it, it's funny you talk about the subscriptions because uh, I, I noticed that for uh, Charlo and, and uh, uh, Gervichenko, the uh, cost of the fight is going to be seventy-five bucks, uh, and that that just seems to be overpriced to me. What do you think? It, it you know what it 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 is a it is a high price, um, you know, but pay-per-views at this point had gotten to the point of sixty-nine ninety-nine. So we're talking about $10 more, and it's a double bill. And that's, that's the reason why they're going to try to go ahead and get that price. They know that right now, obviously, we're just coming back. Boxing's coming back, but the boxing's coming back with slow, good matchups. So they, they've been coming back, but the great matchups are in the fall. Boxing, like we don't have a great card tonight. So I think it's, it's what they're trying to do is take advantage of the fact that um, there's not tons of sports on, obviously, and the fact that both twins are fighting on that card. And I think there's somebody else who's pretty marketable on the undercard as well, too. Obviously, to me, that price is too high. I'm not going to pay for it. I'm going to stream it. But nonetheless, um, I think that is the thought process behind that. Um, with mm-hmm. the Saul Canelo Alvarez situation, that's the thing, right? The, mm-hmm. You know, the Charlo, Showtime, they're still doing pay-per-view. The Zone is not pay-per-view. a subscription. You pay however much a month. To, to watch it. Well, the fight fans that saw Canelo's first three fights on the zone, we've already paid. So how many the people that have paid? So if he fights Billy Joe Saunders, how many more people are going to pay for subscriptions? But the, then again, if he fought Triple G, how many more people are really going to pay for subscriptions at this point? So I don't think Dazzle really thought the whole boxing business through. And then the fact that people will absolutely not work with each other, even if it's in their best financial interest. Boxing is the one sport that they will absolutely do that. If, if that was the case, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spencer would have been caught. But boxing will absolutely not do that. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, see, um, Dana White confirmed uh, yesterday that uh, the BMF title will be, uh, be up for grabs. Uh, on this uh, <clears throat> this next uh, fight of his between uh, Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz, um, what's your thoughts on that, that on that fight? Well, it's, I think it's going to be more or less a repeat of the fight they just had. One thing about you said a uh, repunch. Yeah, well, a recut. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. You said a recut. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing is, I mean, they, this, this is the aptly named title. I mean, these two guys, I mean, they they sort of, they walk it like they talk it. Um, and you're dealing with a sport to where, you know, you, you when you talk stuff, you can go ahead and punch a guy in the mouth. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's what it boils down to, where, you know, in civilization, you have to use your words. Um, mm-hmm. There comes a point in time where I mean, a lot of it's hype, a lot of it's this and this and that. But these two guys, they they have a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, so I mean, and they you know they respect each other, but you know that that they're gonna go out there and try to tear each other's head off. Um, Nate Diaz, 
I mean, he he's he's he is who he is. He is who he is, and I, I mean, he's not going to come in a new guy. He's going to come in a, a little older, uh, as is Masvidal. But I mean, Masvidal, he's going to get there first. He's going to get there first. Um, and I just think that Nate, uh, he he's he's his skin just can't hold up around his eyes. And Jorge's going to touch him. That's one thing. Nate, he's going when he go when he fights. Every fight, Nate's going to get touched. And I just think Jorge, he's a little too explosive for Nate's face. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to put it. Well, here's the funny thing, right? Um, and I, I I love both guys. I've always been a, a huge Diaz brothers fan. I love Nick. I actually Nick I like Nick better than Nate at one time, but I love them both. And I always like Masvidal. Um, Zito is right. These guys both kind of walk around with chips on their shoulders, and you know they're kind of street tough guys and, and um, they're authentic. That's the one thing that, that, that fans, one reason why fans are drawn to them, because they're authentic. Which is why the title is called the BMF, you know, the baddest mother effort. Um, but what it really should be called is the best marketed effort. Because at their best, both guys were top five welterweights. Neither, neither guy, you know, won a, a world title uh, UFC-wise. Um, actually, I don't think either guy's going to want to title necessarily in any organization. Um, so at their best, they were top five guys. Now, both guys are in their mid-30s. Um, you know, Jorge got a title shot, but part of that title shot was, was huge marketing and creative matchmaking. It really was. Um, to At this point in time, you're looking at guys who are both you know, getting towards the end of their career, and what happened was, and being honest with you, Nate Diaz beat Anthony Pettis, and he called Jorge Masvidal out. And the reason why he called Jorge Masvidal out is because at that point, Nate Diaz had marked himself a lot of authenticity and based on a Conor McGregor fight. He marked himself in a way that he was a big money fight. He called Jorge Masvidal out because he saw him. In, in Masvidal, a lot of him, a guy who's paid his dues, been in the sport for several years, but never really made the big money. He actually called Masvidal out because he respected him and said, hey, let's have a big money fight together. That's really where that came from. And so ultimately, BMF is really big money fight. Mm-hmm. Screw bad as MFR because neither one of these guys right now really you know, on their best day is going to beat whoever the, the welterweight champion is. But mm-hmm. – they market themselves well. They market themselves based on their authenticity. Thus, we have the biggest marketed fight. Mm-hmm. But like Zito said, I, you know, Nate said he came in injured, but the fact of the matter is stylistically, Jorge's just a, a horrible matchup for Nate. He's going to beat Nate to the punch every time, then eventually he's going to beat him up with the punch. You know? right. Right. Okay. <laughs> hey, Chris, uh, um, Billy Joe Saunders says that uh, Canelo Alvarez is uh, just cherry-picking his fights for wins. Um, what's your thought on that one? Billy Joe Saunders, of course, he hasn't fought in so long. Nobody nobody knows where he's at. I mean, what, he disappeared. He's doing a lot of talking. He never fights. I mean, right. uh, you know, you know, frankly uh, – there's getting to be so much legal crap in, in the boxing game and political 
you know, it's getting, it's starting to get to me. It's getting distracting. It distracts from the game itself, all this politics, fighting, and contract disputes. They've never had it so good financially. Never. Athletes never had it so good. And and yet they're still complaining and battling over nothing. I mean, it's starting to really affect me as far as a, a fan goes. I mean, I don't, I don't enjoy, uh, uh, you know, all this crap that's going on. When the hell has Canelo fought last? When, I mean, he's, you know, one of the, these guys. I mean, they've never had it better. They got huge paydays, and they're never. It seems like, you know what? You might be able to blame it on the agents. I don't know. I think when you get an agent, you got a headache, more of a headache. Sometimes they're they're not worth what you pay them, and uh, it's just starting to get to me. I'm anxious to see some good fights. I'm anxious yeah. to see some good NFL football. But, you know, it's so many. I mean, I'm looking forward to the Eagles game tomorrow. But uh, it's it's got too much too much on the sidelines going on. And and it's starting to take away from the game. I know, I've heard, I've heard uh, people swear that they're never going to watch another NBA game now. They're not going to yeah. watch another NFL game now. And they're starting to shy away from it, you know. And uh, it's not, not good for sports, all this crap going on. How the hell do you argue over $40 million a fight? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, for real. you know? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, you can't That's spend than... it. Right, right. You can't, you can't spend it all. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, I'm t- I mean, I like to see. I love Billy Joe Saunders' style. I think he's oh. a great combination fighter, boxer, puncher. But if you're not he's fighting, hell, man. No, he's not fighting. And what, what the hell is he doing? How's he making a living? He got a job mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, good idea. When, when's, when's, his, when's his last payday? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't yeah. even remember the last time he fought. I, I want to say he fought earlier. This year before COVID, either earlier, you know, this year before COVID or last year. Canelo fought November of 19 against Kovalev. Um, and I think Saunders may have got one in early this year. He's fighting up at 168. He has a title, like a WBO title or something. But he didn't fight anybody of, of note, even to get the title. And then he just had, like, I, I think after that he may have just had a fight. But he hasn't had a fight of – actually, he hasn't had a fight of note since he fought David Lemieux. He was supposed to fight yeah. Demetrius Andre in, in 2018, but he had the uh, little drug hiccup. And um, then he eventually moved to 168, and he's had a couple fights. Again, again, no fight of consequence at 168. Hey, uh, Z, let me ask you a question. Uh, go ahead, Chris. No, I, I, was, I was just thinking, last night I'm listening to this doctor on the COVID virus. He said it's it's about on its way out. And uh, if you want to take his word for it, I was watching, um, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the, 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 the guy that smiles all the time when a Fox channel comes on late. Uh, he's a, he's a brilliant economist. No, oh, Tucker's oh, oh, uh... he's sideways. Right before, uh, what's his name? He's on the same time Laura Ingram's on. Who's the economist? Um, uh, 
He got real white teeth. He smiled all the time. Cabuto. An Nick, older man. Nick, Nick, is it no, not no, Nick the Cabuto. other guy. Keep going. Not uh, Cavuto. But he had a doctor on anyway. And the guy said the virus is on its way out. But, uh, you know, then, then Fauci comes on and says there's a, another uh, subspecies of it. So who the, hell, who the hell do you believe? But I'll be glad when this is all over. No more virus. And, and let's get back to enjoying sports. I didn't, I didn't think much of that game the other night with Kansas City. That was not a good football game. Um, they were beating the hell out of it. They could have beaten that team <laughs> seventy to nothing if they wanted. Man, I mean, I tell you, uh, Andy Reid's the best thing shit. that's ever happened to the Chiefs, right, Zito? Thank you very much. Well, he yeah. inherited. He, he Andy Reid got lucky when he left Philly. Oh. He inherited a great football team, and uh, and uh, and then he got lucky with get, getting uh, uh, the quarterback Ball. that he did. Now Holmes, that's out of nowhere. He got him, and they turned the whole. Now there's a guy. How about that contract? What's it? Four hundred million? Yeah. You got over a period of time. I mean, it's not all gar- not all guaranteed and all that, but they they tied him up for a lifetime. But he's a football player. He he really enjoys yeah, the game. I, I don't think yeah. I don't think you'll ever see him uh, complain about salaries and. And you're worried about like this and all type. that. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he not that type. He's like a, like a Russell Wilson. He's got a lot of Brady you know, in him. Like, I yeah, like well, Russell Wilson he's, doesn't. Yeah, like he's, yeah, he doesn't I complain. I think the best way to describe it is like like he and, you know, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Brady, those guys are, like you said, they're football players. Not just quarterbacks, they're football yeah. players. And they just really yeah. enjoy playing the game. They really do. Boxing, they enjoy the game like Box, we are really in the era of the boxing businessman, and and that's what's going on. You know what I mean? Because of the contracts, and not yeah. just contracts. It's because of the. It really, it really is because of the whole pay per view model, and then the network model, where these guys have guaranteed contracts with certain networks. Thus, they're not going to go ahead and across the street and fight somebody else. Then on top of that, being as though their contract is guaranteed with the network, Terrence Crawford, ESPN. What's the incentive for them to fight any, you know, one of the best opponents? Okay, go ahead and, and make your minimum and, and fight, you know, B-level opponents um, with, these, with these contracts. So you're right. I mean, athletes to a certain – I mean, they do. They absolutely obviously have it much better now than they've ever had in the past. But in boxing, what's happening is you're seeing – Businessmen, boxers, that, you know, instead of just boxers. Unfortunately, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if anybody saw it, but uh, talk about a businessman. Uh, it seems that uh, Mr. Conor McGregor has his, uh, himself in a, another pass of trouble with uh, a sexual harassment arrest over in uh, in France uh, yesterday. <laughs> not. Oh. Yeah, and they get they get in trouble beating up an old man for not drinking his liquor, but now he he sexually harasses females too. Yeah, well, it's not, that's not the first sexual harassment one he's got. Um, yeah, yeah, he he's a guy who, uh, you know what, man, the less said about him outside the, the octagon or the ring, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Yep. 
<clears throat> I like I the guy when, he, when he's uh, entertaining, but when yeah. he when he's just running the streets acting like an ass, then <laughs> no, I don't have no time for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think that's his problem. He, you know, these, these guys have to watch themselves in public. Yeah. They 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 can't do act like jackasses. You know what I mean? No. Conor McGregor probably he probably's an obnoxious jerk, probably outside of the ring. Probably, probably, yeah. Uh, Plus, the guy a little older than me for not wanting to drink his whiskey. Like, what the hell? That's just an ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he's, you look at the guy; they grab his stool and wrap him in a damn head. Yeah, yeah, you know? because it's funny. He punched the guy, and the, the guy didn't like. He, the guy didn't even react. It's not like he dropped the guy or stunned the guy. The, the guy just kind of looked at him like, "What the hell?" So, <laughs> I don't know. We got uh, Vasily Lomachenko and uh, Teofino Lopez on uh, October 17th. What's your thoughts on that fight? Wow. 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 Zito and I talked about that. Lomachenko is, is obviously the better boxer at 32 with Teofino Lopez. is like 23. You know, he's only had like 14 or 15 fights. Um, the one thing Lomachenko, uh, Lopez, I should say, Teofino has going for him, is his youth, athleticism, and explosiveness, and size. He is starting out at 135. He was 135 starting out when he was like 20, 21 years old. Lomachenko is at his capacity at 135, at 32. 32 years old, Lomachenko is fighting about as heavy as he needs to fight. Going up to 140 would be a bridge too far for him. Lomachenko is literally fighting as heavy as he needs to fight, and he's fighting bigger guys. And a Tiafimo Lopez not fighting necessarily one of the rangier guys, even though he's taller and rangier than Lomachenko, but he's fighting a, a young 135er who easily will probably be 140, 147 in his future once he fills out. Very dangerous mm-hmm. fight for Lomachenko. Zito and I were talking about this. And, you know, when, when, when you have an old master fighting the young line, it, it, it can go – one or two, you know, it, it goes one or two ways, right? Either the, the, the young lion knocks off the old master, but when the old master wins, he either schools the young lion and the young lion learns, kind of like Floyd did with Canelo, or he takes the young lion out to the woodshed and potentially ruins the young lion, kind of like Trinidad did with Fernando Vargas. So the only question is, does Tiafimo have enough to, to pull off the upset. And really to do that, he's not going to outbox Lomachenko at this stage. But could he beat him up or even hurt him? He has the power and explosiveness to do this. If he doesn't win the fight, how bad is it? Does Lomachenko just school him or does he punish him? Lomachenko wants to punish him for his talking. Let's see what happens. Zito has a, a, the breakdown for you. Great breakdown. Um it's a little too close right now for me to get into predictions, but it's a very, very interesting fight. Good, Z. Yeah. Um, Lomachenko's more experienced. I mean, that's that's to be said. Terrafimo's still young. He's still young in the game. Um, that that's. I mean, that's that's a like a clear edge. And and what's kind of good is, I mean, Lomachenko, he's He's at the down. He, he's looking downhill, uh, but from his peak right now. He's not. I mean, I haven't seen signs of him slowing down. I've just seen his competition get bigger and better. 
Um, so, I mean, that reveals the fighter. He's still winning, um, although I thought I had, think he had a draw with um, uh, Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell. Yeah, I thought he had a draw with Luke. But, I mean, the guy's still winning, and he's still, I mean, he, he's, at times he's been winning impressively. Um, he can win impressively against Lopez. He he can win a tough fight. Um, the thing is, he doesn't need Lopez laying mitts on him. It's as simple as that. Um, I think that Lomachenko is too skilled for Lopez to sit up there and try to get conventional with him. Meaning that if if Lomachenko determines the footwork, that's it. As the Terrafimo mm-hmm. is heavy on his front foot, and he, he as I said before, he's hooky. He, he, he's heavy on the front foot, and he likes, you know, getting his hooks off. He's quick, and he's, and he's powerful, but he wants you right in front of him, and he wants to hit you with what he wants to hit you with. Lomachenko's the one guy, the one guy who's not going to give him that, and and he's going to be within, they're going to be within each other's punch range, but Terrafimo's mm-hmm. not going to have what he wants. Um, mm-hmm. So I think what really he needs to set the pace. He really needs to set the pace, and he needs to confine space. space. Him, I mean, they're going to be within each other's punching range, but space is is not going to be his friend at all. Uh, Lomachenko, within the space he works in, is is going to tear. He tears most people up. That's why mm-hmm. you either have to have some sort of talent to, to to keep it long, some talent and physical gifts to keep it long on him and to be able to use it, or you might have to just cram him up. And, and 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 you know, kind of just make the fight a, a close, you know, warring affair. You know, sloppy. The sloppier it is, the better. Just because Luke Campbell clean. and Pedraza were able to give him trouble yeah. by changing distance because they were long fighters and they would step out when Lobo stepped in. They changed yep. distance. Obviously, it muted their offense a little bit. They weren't able to get off a lot, you know, as much as they normally would be able to get off. But they were able to play chess with him, you know, successfully too late in the fight for Pedraza and, and Luke Campbell, who actually buzzed Lomachenko, I thought actually uh, edged that fight, honestly. Um, and then you have uh, Orlando Salido to, to yeah. you know, confirm what Zito was saying. Orlando Salido, who beat him early in his career, did it by staying really close and on top of him. So Zito's yeah, absolutely and Jorge Linares. Jorge Linares yeah, he, gave he, him he, trouble yep. with power and less. Um, Lomachenko, yeah, yeah, so one thing is, I mean, Terrafimo, I mean, size-wise, he's bigger. He's, I mean, bigger than Lomachenko. He's a bigger man. But he's not about as refined I mean, as any of those guys. No, and, I mean, he's not the guy that's going to, you know, improve range, to, you know, steadily, especially steadily. Um, he wants to get at you. And yeah. his best bet is to get at Lomachenko as close as he can. I mean, he might smother himself. But he's also smarter than Lomachenko. And in a fight like that, he's the bigger guy. So he really needs to put that bigness on Lomachenko. Um, if, 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 if he's just sitting out there, if he comes out with his chessboard, then, then he's going to get hit with a sledgehammer. So he, he really needs to go ahead and attack the problem. Yeah. Uh, now, last week uh, we had an MMA, MMA uh, fight. Uh, we had Overeem versus... Uh, uh, Derek Lewis, and it seems like uh, Overeem uh, responded to the trash talk all week of uh, 
of Lewis by taking him down. Uh, do you want to uh, uh, expound on that, uh, Zeke? Um, no, he, he yeah, fought a guy named Saka. Was it Saka? Uh, Sakai. Saka. Uh, yeah, Alexis Sakai. Yeah, he fought uh, Alexis Sakai. And, and Derek Lewis, one thing is, he, he, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. He's going to talk. He's going to talk. Um, so and he's you know they, you know he's going back and forth with several people and fighters. Um, but I mean Overeem, he he's he still he's still that guy. He's still that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, I mean standing, he's he's more cautious than he was earlier in his career. More calculating, more accurate. <laughs> I mean he's more accurate, and he's more wary of his weaknesses. When you when when um, he's getting attacked, he'll high guard and protect his one his Achilles chance. He'll he'll use his footwork to go ahead and, and you know he'll back up and he'll steer around. I mean he'll get out of danger. Um, but once once if you let him start setting the pace, that's it. That is it. You can't. Well, he's another guy to where you might want to just kind of well you have to be careful a lot more careful with uh, Overeem. But you want to get at him more or less. You need to have something to get at him with, also. Um, you, you know what? And it's but, funny you, you said kind of like with Lomachenko. The one thing both guys share in, in their different combat sports is both guys have a phenomenally diverse and active offense, complete uh, with, yeah. with feints. You know what I mean? And and and, and uh, feints and level changes to throw you off. I mean they. they they're 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 actually chess players on offense. One thing about Lomachenko, and I want to hear how Dr. Chris feels about that fight. One thing about Lomachenko is he he's not a fighter who can fight going backwards. And part of it is is, is just his style. It's just he just doesn't fight going backwards. Chris, well, Lomachenko can move side to side and can mm-hmm. move around you better than any man I ever saw in the ring. He moves yes, around. Sir. It's unbelievable. Keeps you off balance. Well, Jesse, you, you lose your forward momentum forward because momentum. he's in front of you. He's to the right of you. He's to the left of you. He's got a jab in your face. I mean, he knows how to maneuver, and that's going to be Lopez's problem. Can I get yeah. used to this? Because he's not going to be set. He is a power puncher, and he's got power on his side. He's got youth on his side and size. And Lomachenko can only overcome it by moving side to side, moving around that guy. And he's smart enough to do that. Now we're going to see whether youth youth catches up to him. That's going to be the question. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be able to overcome that guy's youth and strength? Because he's going to come in awful big, that kid. He'll probably yeah, come in twelve, at least 12 pounds above, uh, you know, his normal weight. And he's yeah, powerful. He's going to come in a welterweight. He he's going to come in a welterweight. Yeah, he's, he's, oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to. And you're gonna you're gonna say Lomachenko will have to be at his best, his all time best to beat that kid. And yeah. uh he could do it. He could do it. But you know, twelve rounds is a long time. If he's moving around, if he slows down a little bit, he starts showing age, look out. That guy'll pop him one. And if if, if, if Lopez That's doesn't allow takes. himself to become too mentally frustrated and he stays composed, right. you know what I mean? Because he's had a tough right. fight. He's had a tough fight. Um, that's the one good thing. He's had a tough fight. But Lomachenko is a different type of tough, right? It's, 
one thing I would love about Shane Mosley, Shane Mosley was a fighter through and through. And if, if you're putting hands on Shane Mosley, he's putting hands on you. But when Shane Mosley couldn't hit you, I saw him with Winky Wright. He couldn't break through Winky Wright's guard. With Vernon Forrest, he couldn't close that distance. You could see Shane Mosley get visibly, visibly frustrated. He'd walk back to the corner with, uh, you know, the, the most disgusted look at himself. He would just be frustrated. Like, he could, it, you could see he was the guy who could take lose in the war, but when he couldn't lay a glove on you, it, it, it just took him out of his game. And that happens, as we've seen, with a lot of Lomachenko's, uh, uh, combatants, a lot of his opponents, they, they've actually sat on a stool because, you know, it just got to the point where getting touched on and they couldn't touch on him. Not one punch, but they're just getting combinated on mm-hmm. and couldn't land a good punch. So, Yafimo yeah, Lopez at 21 to 23 years old, however young he is, even with all that youth advantage physicality-wise, it doesn't necessarily serve him experience and wisdom wise and dealing with the puzzle that is Lomachenko. And that's that's the thing. If he can stay composed, then he'll be dangerous like Dr. Chris said for the twelve rounds and Lomachenko can't slow down. If Lomachenko starts to wear him down mentally, then it could get ugly. And and you know what? I mean like guys like Lopez, who actually, you know, I mean, he, he's he's a tough guy. He, he's, he's, you know, he's trying to get at you. You know, he, he'll mix it up. Um, but something strikes me like those kind of guys, they don't know how to not be mentally tough. You know, some guys just like the BMF guy. Those two, some guys, they just don't know how not to be mentally tough. Um, frustrated, yes. Uh, it's e- I mean, young guys, they, they're the easiest ones to frustrate to for the most part. But uh, to break him down mentally, I don't think so. I think, uh, I mean, now, like, he could quit. He could no mass quit. Just, you know, I can't touch this guy. This guy's not, you know, I, I'm not doing this tonight. Um, sort of like Nick Walters did. Uh, I think that, um, just that, I think I could see him trying. I think he's just hungry. He just yeah, he's just a hungry me. guy. Yeah, he, he's not there yet. He's not the guy who's going to go ahead and, and pull a Vicky, Victor Ortiz, I should say. No. He's not going to do that. Um, so I don't see him, like you said, I don't see him quitting, um, but becoming but, but mentally frustrated. Like for him, him being broken down mentally to me is not a matter of him quitting. It's a matter of him losing his composure. And, yeah. you know, if you lose your composure mentally – you know what happens in a boxer where you lose your composure physically. That's why you see guys who get tired, their style comes – Sergey Kovalev, when he got tired, his style became haggard. Uh-huh. And, you know, he lost his composure mentally. And that, that, that's what I worry about Tiafimo at this stage of his career, that he loses his composure because of frustration. Mm-hmm. And like Dr. Chris said, Lomachenko, that lateral movement and, – and what I like about him too, man, is, is – you know, he moves one way, and you throw the hook, and the glove is there to catch it. Where, where actually, where Luke Campbell to me gave him trouble was not only just changing the range, but hitting the body, because he said, you know yeah. what, I can't catch that head. You're too you're, you're clever, but I can touch your body here and there. And Lomachenko, uh, Luke Campbell would throw twos and threes, and he would leave the second or the third to the body. That's not necessarily the kind of fighter that that Tiafimo is. Not necessarily the kind of fighter Luke Campbell is, right? But he came in with the game plan. He was poised enough to stick to it. That's what Tiafimo is going to have to do. You know, that youth sometimes that 
cocky youth and aggression that takes you mm-hmm. over the edge, but you know, against certain people, it, it, it can be a detriment. So, be interesting. Another uh, another question came up this week. It uh, was that, uh, and, and Chris, this comes to you first. Roy Jones Jr. now is saying that he's uh, he's rethinking the uh, the bout with Tyson. Uh, they've got what a month and a half yet to go, and uh, he's not sure he wants to do it. <laughs> if he's if he's smart, he won't do it. Yeah, you know, he got nothing yeah. to gain. He had a great career. He had a great career. Tyson had a great career, but you know that that's not a smart fight. It's not a smart no. fight for him to take. Uh, somebody talked him into it. But uh, you know, leave the guy alone. At the end of his career, he was getting beat by by mediocre guys. And yeah, he, he's not right. He's, Tyson might hurt him. He's a, Tyson's a mean sob. You know, he's gonna yeah. go in there. He's gonna want to knock his damn head off. And sure. if he's got whatever he's got he's left, he's got, he's got a little bit left. Well, you know, it's, you it's know. like we've been saying. You know, if it goes the first four rounds. Tyson will probably annihilate him. But if he gets past the fourth round, then they start to dance, and he may be in trouble. And, uh, you know, towards the end of the fight, that's when uh, Jones usually comes on, and he could uh, he could hurt Tyson. So uh, well, well, I, I guess well, what, I, what, I, what I say is this. Uh, I think that um, Tyson, I, I, like, really in his career, Tyson was more, I thought he was more of a five-round five round guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I think he's more of a maybe two, maybe one and a one and a half round kind of guy with any type of explosion or anything. Um, what's Tyson? Fifty three, and Roy's yeah. what? Fifty two, fifty four. Okay, yeah. fifty four and fifty one. So, fifty four, fifty one. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's got. I mean, and Tyson's been out of the ring for a long time. Uh. I don't care what kind of sparring he's going to do. He's, I mean, he, he, you're not going to see Roy Jones. I mean, and Roy Jones is not going to see Roy Jones either because these guys are past their form. Um, it makes it an intriguing matchup. But if Tyson doesn't lay what he needs to lay on Roy, I think uh, Roy's in better shape. And like, Tyson's capable of getting stopped. <laughs> Tyson's, I mean, Roy, I mean, if he starts laying – a glove on an open tire, Tyson. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Tyson might just say, "Man, forget it. No, no mass. I'm not doing this today." Yeah. So, so I mean, it's simple as that. Now, I don't think well, Roy will have a chance to do that if the fight goes the other way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you know the hard part of, the of that fight is, is how. Yeah. How do you I, prepare I really, for Mike Tyson? When you're, when you're, uh, how the hell do you prepare? What, what, what do you do to prepare yourself to fight him? You know, I, I don't think, I don't think he's, he's going to know what the hell to do in training. I think the best thing for him is somehow get out of this fight. <laughs> well, you know, get out of, of it, however, was, it, it is, is when it was built. It was, you know, when it was up first, you know, put together. It was put together. You know, as an exhibition, eight rounds, eight three-minute rounds, they were actually thinking about wearing headgear, no headgear. They're going with bigger gloves, and they were supposedly and, – and it actually said that they were supposed to not take each other heads off to the point where the commission even said that. 
It was the commission who came out and said, no, this is not that kind of fight. It's more of an entertaining exhibition. Straight um, exhibition. And, yeah, but then, here's, and then, you know, then it got put off a couple months. And once it got put off a couple months, that's when I started seeing quotes by Roy like, you know, the money's a little funny. Yeah. I, you know, I, you know, yeah. and, um, you know one, of the, one of the things Tyson did was he said he wanted to put it off so they could promote it more. But Roy started, I started hearing Roy saying, you know, the money's a little funny. Then he started saying, you know, it's supposed to be an exhibition, but, I mean, Mike Tyson's Mike Tyson. And, you know, if Mike Dude. Tyson goes crazy in there, he said, then, then I got to do what I got to do because nobody's going to be able to stop him. Um, I started hearing quotes like that from Roy where, you know, he started saying, you know, I, I, this is Mike Tyson. And regardless of you saying, hey, this is an exhibition, we're not trying to kill each other, once Mike Tyson puts gloves on, if he gets in the ring and, and, and does a Mike Tyson, then, then he, he could try to hurt Roy. And the, the worst-case scenario for Mike Tyson is if, if he gets, gets in there, after three or four rounds, he starts flagging. Mike Tyson's just going to sit on a stool and say, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this. I, you know, I, I tried, but I, I just didn't have it in me. I, I, it was tougher than I thought. That's what he will do, and that's how he'll go out. But the fact of the matter is that whether, whether he has three rounds or three minutes, if he decides in his mind, I'm going to come out and try to be the old Mike Tyson for three rounds or three minutes, that's what Roy Jones has to try to survive point blank. And I think Roy is kind of thinking, you know, I don't know if me and Tyson can have a friendly kind of exhibition spar because I don't know what's going to happen when Mike Tyson gets gloved up. I mean, it's that simple. Okay. Yeah. It's... Uh, I got another one for you. Uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder is finally set for December 19th. What's your thoughts on that yep. one? I bet to tell you that, Zay. Your birthday. Hey. Oh, Happy birthday, oh man. Look. Well, <laughs> yeah, really? Dr. Chris? Yeah. He, he was asking Dr. Chris. Oh. Well, December 19th. It's made. It's made. Yeah. The fight's made. Yes. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I that. think, uh, you know, t- uh, time, uh, put it off till December is not going to hurt either guy. Right. I don't think. I think. I think it's going to help Wilder more than Fury. Wilder needed time off after that loss, whether he knows it or not. He should not have jumped back in the ring real quick after that loss. So it's, I say it's, it's in Wilder's favor a little bit, that, you know, to put this fight off of December, because uh, uh, he took a hell of a beating, and a, it was a it was a mental beating and a, and a physical beating, and uh, he had two things to overcome that. You know, you don't want to fight real quick after a fight like that. So, I'm 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 still going to pick Fury. I'm still going to pick Fury in December because I think he's just big, strong, and he's got a good chin. And uh, I think he's going. To, he knows that if he takes that fight to, to Wilder and backs him up, he's not the same fighter. So I I, I think he learned a lot that fight first fight and. Uh, I think he'll do the same thing. He'll he'll go in and he'll move forward, and he'll be the aggressor, and Fury Fury will be, and uh, Wilder he's going to have to learn to uh, to uh, fight a different style. You know he's been he's been going after these guys, you know with the right hands, right hands. 
you're going to have to develop a different style to handle Fury. Fury's a totally different fighter than uh, uh, Wilder was used to. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. He's, got, he's still got that puncher's chance. You know, he's still got that puncher's chance every round. And uh, it's a matter of if he lands a big one. If you don't land a big one, it's going to go, the decision is going to go to Fury. So sure. Z, what's your thought? That's talking? about the way, I, you know, the way I see it. Good, Z. You know, uh, I th- I don't know. I think that um, that this is it for uh, Wilder Fury. I thought that after the first fight, when Tyson Fury got up, and that fight ended with him on his feet, I I I knew that uh, Deontay Wilder couldn't beat him. I mean, the the, type, the versions of Tyson Fury are only getting better. For heavyweight, Tyson Fury is not old, for one thing, and. He's yeah. been developing his game. He's been developing his game to the point to where everybody thought that he was going to go in there and try to put six foot nine and two hundred seventy five pounds on Klitschko, and he big man Ali, you know Muhammad Ali. So I mean, the guy could he could box, and when he needs to, he can go in there and put his weight on you. Um, the problem with him and Deontay, he could do both to Deontay Wilder. The problem with yes, him yes. and that is the in-between thing. And that's where Deontay Wilder could catch him. Deontay Wilder's offense is going to have problems catching Tyson Fury, period. Period. Mm-hmm. Him let, just letting his punches go, it, I mean, it, he's not he's not going to catch Tyson Fury like that. Um, but 12 rounds is a long time. And mm-hmm. Tyson Fury, I, I, don't, I mean, he did he, – the second fight, he was wise. He took it to him. Didn't let it last 12 rounds. He he put what he had on Deontay. Um, I don't. I just don't see it. Deontay has to catch him in between Tyson, either boxing from range or on him. But either way, I mean, Deontay doesn't have a shot. He doesn't have a shot in any of those ranges. Tyson's longer than him. He boxes longer than Deontay when he wants to. Um, and Deontay's not an inside fighter. Deontay, when he's Deontay's a guy, he's, he's sort of basic on defense too. High guard goes walks straight back. Um, but what Deontay's good at is he's good at kind of fooling you into getting punched. Like you, you'll come forward and he'll lull you into it, put you straight to sleep because he won't do a whole lot of other things. And then next thing you know, quick right. What I thought hurt Deontay in the second fight was gaining that weight. I think mm-hmm. that I, I, and I watched him in the ring pushing his punches. I watched him when Tyson started putting his weight on him and leaning on Deontay, Deontay's own weight being a burden on him. So, I, I mean, I, I just think the lighter he is, the more explosive he is. Um, that doesn't help his durability, though. And I think the lighter he is as Tyson gets on him, it's just going to be a quicker downfall. So I, I just, I mean, Deontay has a puncher's chance, but he doesn't have a puncher's chance in the realm of conventional punching. What do you think of a puncher? He he doesn't have a boxer's chance, and really he doesn't have a slugger's chance. He has a straight one arm puncher's chance. Mm-hmm. Part of the part of the yeah part of the strength with with Deontay Wilder is is. You know, he never really became a good fundamental boxer. Deontay's not a great – he's not a good 
fundamental boxer. He's not an average fundamental boxer at all. What he is is he's a very tall, extremely athletic guy. You know, for a guy to be that tall and to have that kind of quick twitch athleticism is freaky. Um, and, and so he's kind of a freak of nature. And what he did is he developed a style based on his gift. So he didn't necessarily become a, a fundamental boxer. He de- developed a style based on him being a tall, fast twitch guy. And in the boxing realm, what he became a master of is he became really a master of the pull counter. He'll pull you in and counter shot mm-hmm. you. And when you're six foot seven, that really works that against really works against ninety five percent of the division. The problem is when you face a taller guy, it's a little harder to pull. Like to pull and, and, and do that counter, you got to step in. Well, Tyson Fury, he did one thing really well. He jabbed and he fainted the jab. He fainted the jab. His Thanks. By him being a taller guy, instead of just coming in with a jab, he fainted the jab. So Deontay could never really, uh, you know, in a second fight, that's what he did. He came forward behind feints and a jab, feints and a jab. And Deontay could never get his really – even when, when he threw one that kind of connected, Tyson was able to roll with it. Deontay could never find the mark because he never knew when Tyson was actually stepping in. And he was going to have to meet Tyson because Tyson was stepping in behind the jab. Deontay couldn't hit him from Tyson Fury's jab range, so he would have to step in. But he didn't know when when Fury was stepping in because of the feints. That, that's not going to change. That's not going to change. Deontay, Dr. Chris hit the nail on the head. Deontay's going to have to develop a different style. He's not going to, he's not going to be able to do that because he started late, but in the you know decade or so he's been boxing – he hasn't developed a lot of fundamentals yet, so he's not going to be able to necessarily change how he fights when he hasn't even really learned how to fight, you know. So I, I, I think he, he makes a better account of himself, but it goes much the same way as the, the, the second fight. He gets taken out eventually. Mm-hmm. I guess our last one would be, I, I guess we'll get to Z on this one, is uh, Devin Haney. Uh, versus uh, Yuri Gamboa in in November. What's your thought on that that one? Um, um, Gamboa, uh, the prime of his career um, should have been better. I think. I think. I thought he was yeah. talented enough to where the prime of his career really could have been lucrative for him, and we could have saw some really exciting fights. Um, with that said, I mean he he's he's a guy, you know. As Ty was just alluding to, he he's you know he's schooled, but he's also a guy who a lot a lot of his fights were won on his gifts, his speed and mm-hmm. pop. Um, when you get older, if you don't develop certain skills, certain fundamentals, then you're you're, you're gonna you're gonna get chopped apart because your skills, your your talent, your physical talent is gonna fade. And you're going to meet guys, Deontay Wilder, who are just as tall or just as big, if not bigger. So even your, you know, your physical advantages, you know, you're not going to have them every fight. Um, and Gamboa, I mean, he he's he has to. I mean, 
Like Devin Haney is, is he's I don't think he's really gonna be achieving what Gamboa was. But right now Devin Haney's better than Gamboa. It's as simple as that. Gamboa is I don't wanna call him shot. Um he's just not that competition anymore. And Devin Haney is I mean, if Devin Haney is in the upper or upper tier lower part of the upper tier I mean, Gamboa is holding the door for him to come in. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chris, here's, here's one for you. Uh, uh, Chris Bird. Everybody remembers Chris Bird. Yeah, uh, I read that. I read that. I meant to tell you this, too, Zig. I meant to tell you, Zig. What's he going to do? He wants to come back? Yeah, his last fight was 2009. And the only claim, really claim to fame that he has is that uh, in the Olympics, the two, 2000 Olympics, he beat uh, Valdemir Klitschko. Or Vitaly Klitschko. Okay. Yeah, well, he beat Vitaly for He was the world champion. He beat Vitaly yeah. for the title, for the heavyweight yeah. title. Yeah. Well, but yeah, he Chris Bird is a power, he's a power puff puncher. Mm-hmm. You know? He can't hit anymore. He, he couldn't hit before. Who the hell is he going to beat now? <laughs> I mean, what's he going to use? You can't go in that ring with a BB gun. The other guy's got a thirty thirty. You know what I mean? Yeah. The difference in the caliber bullet that they're carrying. So, who's he going to beat? His claim to fame is you didn't have to abstain from sex before a fight. And then he said he proved it on TV. And that, that, that was such BS. I remember that. <laughs> I laughed the whole time. <laughs> that is what the hell? Wow. Is, is it getting crazy? This, this is getting crazy. Listen to this. But, well, you know, I, 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 he just, somebody put some crap in his head. You know? Sure. When he comes to reality, he's going to be to, like. They, uh, they need to do a senior tour, Dr. Chris. Uh, uh, like yeah. they're doing golf. Yeah. Maybe they need to do a senior yeah. tour or something. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah, that's, that's good. That's where he belongs. On a senior tour in boxing, yeah, that, that, I would, I would, I would help. But uh, anyway, yeah. he's not so, going. Yeah. He, he won't come in the ring. He's not going to get yeah. in the ring anymore. That's all bull. He's all. Yeah, like some of these guys. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to take him serious? I, you know, they, they just like to get their name in the news. You know, and it's, uh, it's it's that's uh, I I don't even think. Hey, Doctor Chris, you, I, you I don't think of, in this. Hey, Dr. Chris, you remember this guy was one of my favorite fighters. You remember Michael Nunn? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you know Michael oh, yeah. Nunn did, did, a, he did like 19 years in prison. Uh, and he came out. The, he, he was he a middleweight, home. a big, tall middleweight. Yeah, right? sir. Southpaw, Angelo Dundee trained him for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, I remember yeah. him very yeah. well. Yeah. A lot so of he, potential. He, he uh he ended up doing nineteen he you know, he, he won the middleweight title, then he went up and he won a title at one sixty eight. Uh then you know, towards the end of his career in his late thirties, he uh got arrested for uh trying to sell cocaine to an undercover FBI agent or whatever. Um did nineteen uh, years in prison. But I only mentioned Michael Nunn, uh who I love because he came out of prison and just maybe two months ago he had a kickboxing fight against a retired MMA fighter. <laughs> so, mm. 
Right. Maybe they just need to do a senior tour because these guys still get the itch regardless of their situation. Well, how old is Michael Nunn now? Oh, 50... Got to be 55. 57? What is it? Somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, I think he's 57 or 58. Because the guy he fought was like 55. He fought Pat Pat Militech, Karen. (laughs) What? Oh, Matt Hughes' old coach. Yeah. 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 It's going to be a circus anymore. I tell you, they should do a senior store for these guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe you, you remember in base. You remember baseball when Bill Veck was uh, owned the Cardinals. He brought a midget in to bat. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys oh, don't remember that, do you? <laughs> Bill Veck, yeah. com- comical. No, when he had the St. Louis Browns, he, he brought a midget in, and and uh, 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 no, Christ, he got booed out of baseball. They, it was funny the first couple <laughs> times. Oh, the strike zone was about two inches. Five, couple times. That's what the hell's happening to boxing. Yeah. That is, that is, whatever we. Yeah. Well, that was funny. It was funny at the time. The Browns weren't going anywhere. (laughs) They were, they were not, you know, about 10th place. They weren't going anywhere. And he wanted to get some fans in the ballpark. Uh, and that's what he did. He brought a midget in, and it created a lot of excitement and laughing. It was comical, mm-hmm. but it only lasted about three weeks. You know, yeah. they couldn't pitch to the midget. The strike zone was about three inches. <laughs> <laughs> he got walked all the time. That's where we're at. Oh, Christ. You know, what the hell boxing's getting like? Wow. You know, <laughs> guys like that, we'll fighting 50 some years old, 50 something. Crazy. Yeah, I, I, Bill, uh, he used to be the uh, – he, he had the Cleveland Indians, and then he, he bought the St. Louis Browns, and they were a bad, bad baseball team. And he wasn't yeah. drawing, wasn't doing – so he tried to create some excitement. That's what's going on now in boxing. Oh, well, yeah. Mark what the hell can we do yeah. next that's, yeah. that's crazy, you know? Frank, you remember that, don't you, Frank? Yeah. Yes, I do. I, I – yeah, oh, I – I watched the game. I couldn't wait. The whole neighborhood, we're all watching the game. And we all started laughing when the midget came in. Everybody, you know, about <laughs> And the guy shot. Lucky he didn't get hit in the damn head. The guy couldn't throw the ball low enough. You know? <laughs> oh, Christ. So, Guys, we just well, to get we'll see what happens. Here. Yeah. We, uh, last week we had the pleasure of announcing the arrival of a, a lovely young lady. Miss Melania uh, uh, Parquet, and this week we have the honor of, of uh, announcing the arrival of another uh, member of our staff, uh, Mr. Benny Henderson's first grandson, grandson uh, and that's uh, oh, wow. Mr. Scooter, Scooter Henderson. So uh, um, to both grandfathers, oh, okay. we, uh, oh, we welcome awesome. you to the Grandfather's Club. And, uh, thank you, thank you. Know, you thank I, I feel so bad for you because I can tell right now from the Moment that girl brought uh, brought the first uh, breath to her, that uh, she's going to have you wrapped around her finger like there's no no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. uh, just like my daughter does. Myself so. and everybody else. So, but uh, again, uh, Chris, thanks a lot for everything. I'm glad you. Oh yeah, we had a good good show tonight. Yeah, 
Yeah. I'm still down in the cellar. I want to finish finish my workout before I go out and eat a McDonald's hamburger this hour. That's going to be the only thing, the only thing for sale in the whole area. Go over there and get yeah, I'm going to go eat a McDonald's hamburger. I'll eat healthy tonight. I'll see you, see you guys next week. We'll talk about the Eagles. See you guys. Have a good one, sir. Z, you want to lead us out? I sure do. A wonderful show. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Chris. I want to thank you, Butch and Ty. I want to thank all my Fighting Words family. And these shows are dedicated in memory of Bob and Coach Mal. And if anyone wants to hear any Fighting Words, please do call. Ty? Hey, it was a great show, man. Love talking to the whole crew. Uh, we hope everything is well with Bob. Look forward to seeing you guys next week. Coach Mel is watching over us, and Bob is our co-pilot. Right. We just wanted to uh, update everybody that uh, Bob wasn't with us this, uh, tonight because he was finally getting a chance to fly back to West Virginia to pick up his truck that's been in the shop for about uh, three or four yeah. weeks to drive it back to uh, L.A. or to San, San Diego. So he's doing well. Um, we also want to – I forgot to dedicate this program to the – Ladies and gentlemen, and the families from Oregon, that uh, about 10% of their population now is homeless because of the the wildfires. Wildfires, yeah, Jesus. Here in the California area, two giant uh, fires uh, probably joining together sometime over the weekend. So, uh, for anybody Um. out there, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Ty and Zito, again, I couldn't do the job without you, and I appreciate everything you do every single week uh, to keep the program going. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week with great appreciation for the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women of the Fire Services, and the men and women in the, in the healthcare industry helping us to stay alive during the COVID uh, pandemic. These programs are also dedicated to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Bager, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazwood, Patrolman Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerber, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Anafo Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogo, Longboat Cape Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrol Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrol Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrol Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Office. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Jermaine, Whittemere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. I, uh, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Cotlow. Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department. Delaware State Trooper Rod, Sergeant Ronnie Bond. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artic Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLA Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio. Delaware State Trooper Stephen, uh, Corporal Stephen Bauer. Semi Patrol Officer Matt Baxter, Semi Sergeant Sam Howard, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, LA County Sheriff's Department, 
Deputy April Rodriguez, Hesco County Deputy, Deputy Sheriff, uh, Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, uh, Kentucky Police Department, and Trooper Joe Bullock, uh, Florida Highway Patrol. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, at some time we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields, the sunshine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the hallow of his hands. Tonight, God bless and please stay safe the rest of the week.
County Dispatch to 1999. All units be advised, 1999 is responding to his last emergency. May God rest his soul.